0: As AI continues to make devices, machines, vehicles, and things more intelligent, Qualcomm is pushing AI processing to the edge, specifically onto the device. With more than a decade of advanced AI research, they're making it possible for AI and machine learning to move from the data center and the cloud to the device. For enhanced privacy and security, increased reliability, more immediate response, and faster speeds. From AI to 5G, it all starts with Qualcomm.
1: This is Voices in AI, brought to you by Giga Home. I'm Byron Reese. Today my guest is Chris Duffy. He spearheads Adobe's Creative Cloud Strategic Development Partnerships across the creative enterprise space. His keynotes have received over 50 million impressions. His work has been featured in 100 or more global media outlets, including The Wall Street Journal, Inc., Adweek, and on and on and on. He's also the author of Superhuman Innovation, Transforming Businesses with Artificial Intelligence. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. I'd like to start off with what is intelligence? How would you answer
2: that? And and why is artificial intelligence artificial? Great question. Love that question. You know, specific to artificial intelligence, I always default to the definition that AI is the study and design of intelligent agents that are able to not only perceive their environment, but also act on it maybe a higher level um, definition of just human intelligence. Uh, And it's interesting that, you know, uh, there's some theories that it can be defined in nine categories or nine different um, aspects of intelligence, that of intrapersonal, that of spatial, that of naturalist, musical, logical, or mathematical, existential, interpersonal, Bodily and then linguistic, so those are kind of the two definitions that I refer to for both AI as well as human intelligence. Even maybe a, a third um, aspect of that is uh, love. Love the old quote: "The true sign of intelligence is imagination," and that's where you know I have a, a personal fascination of this intersection of uh, artificial intelligence to help amplify uh, human intelligence. So you said perceive
1: their environment and act on it. Would that go all the way down to say a cat food dish that can tell when it's empty and then refills itself?
2: You know, I I think that would be a a very mechanical, uh, you know, example of a tool that is being used to enhance,
0: you know, perceived, yeah. Is perceive
1: really the right word? Does a computer perceive anything, or does it just measure things?
2: Yeah, I think it, I, th- I think um, you know that's a accurate um, you know exchange word exchange because uh, it, it seems like we use
1: all these words like the computer sees this, the computer yeah. knows this, the computer figures out that, and I think we use those words because we don't have. Uh, equivalent me- mechanistic we're not used to machines doing what computers do so we have to use these human words but yeah. you think they you run the risk one runs the risk that that somehow uh gives people a, a heightened sense that the computer really is a thing you know that has a self and all of the rest
2: yeah i think i think uh, we do run a tendency to uh, almost anthropomorphize artificial intelligence where whereas you know it, At the end of the day it's a machine we are biological humans so you know maybe there is some self-projection for lack of better words or better categories to apply to them but agree they are uh, machines mechanical entities that sometimes we apply uh, human qualities uh, to it for because of lack of of uh, other reference points well if the machine is,
1: if, if, if we're going to use the term machine to mean like a device that is completely governed by the laws of physics, there's, you know, it's uh, deterministic and you crank it up and it runs. Do you believe that people are machines or our brains just machines?
2: Uh, w- without, without a doubt, we are biological creatures. So by no means are we machines. You know, I think we're uh, completely two different, um, you know, entities. Um, we, we create the machines and we are biological. So I think there's a, a very distinct, uh, difference in my mind. But, but you know, but the, uh, uh,
1: you know, the old argument that if you figure out what a neuron does and then you reproduce that, and then we figure out where every one of your neurons is and we build that. I mean, that, that at what point, could we not build something that when you turned it on was you
2: or yeah. identical to you? Um, you know, I, th- I think um, with, with the course and history of artificial intelligence, there's been this tendency to recreate the human mind. Whereas I'm of the mind where AI should be purpose driven and task driven. So more of a narrow AI um, viewpoint on things, rather than a general AI aspect to things. But back to your um, reference of the neurons, you know, I think that there again, we're talking about biology and, you know, biology can be uh, somewhat uh, cloned or duplicated in a biological environment, but we're almost playing with different ingredients. um, If someone is trying to uh, create a, AGI, um, using computational sources. So again, I think they're, um, different distinct, uh, entities. So when you made that
1: comment a minute ago about narrow AI versus general AI, were you saying you don't think we can build a general AI or you think we, the, the, the most useful
2: AI is a narrow AI? Uh, to, for modern day businesses where my focus is, um, narrow AI, without a doubt, is, I think, the the game changer of our generation and generations to come. So my focus is on how can we uh, implement and create greater absorption of narrow AI. I like to refer to it as purpose-driven AI or human-centric uh, AI. So you um,
1: you talk about AI and creativity and innovation can AI's can artificial intelligence be creative and and kind of what is creativity for that matter?
2: Yeah, uh, and, and this is where I uh, really love to I- explore, and it, it's much of a similar conversation in that we have of can AI, you know, um, replicate the brain, the mind, consciousness, human spirit. And, you know, another um, subset of that is creativity. Um, it's, it's fascinating in the sense when you talk to creatives, and I came up through the ranks as a creative professionals, um, unlike, I think, in the scientific uh, realm where there is a lot of reflection on um, what is intelligence, artificial intelligence, there's a sli- slight nuance in the creative community where, although we do take time to take a step back and do self-analysis of what creativity is, I think, though, the nuance there is we spend um, a, a greater amount of time just going out and being creative, uh, designing things, creating things, being inventive. So, um, you know, that that's where the those two... Um, aspects uh, kind of fork off in the in the realm of creativity. But to define creativity, again, is an elusive kind of um, almost suitcase word similar to artificial intelligence. Uh, very simply put, creativity is about uh, connecting things uh, that are seemingly um, unconnected uh, from a, a first pass. So b- back to your question, can AI, in this case, uh, be creative, I think at this point, AI is very good at automating certain aspects of uh, creativity, kind of that repetitive, mundane, repeat tasks, Um, you know, and I think within the creative AI community, there's a spectrum of feelings of how high uh, AI can get in terms of augmenting and uh, generating. As well. So if AI is about,
1: I mean, I'm sorry, creativity is about connecting things that weren't obviously connected, like, help me understand how um, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series or Lin Miranda's Hamilton or any of those, or, or Banksy's Graffiti, like, what are, what unrelated things are they connecting to make those works, do you think?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, imagination is essentially, you know, taking, you um, creativity and connecting these seemingly unconnected things together. And, you know, there's a number of different levers that can be pulled in terms of uh, visual aesthetics, emotions, um, even music uh, for, for instance. So AI can in this instance, uplevel humanity to be more creative. And I think right now we're at that level of um, helping uh, creatives on a on a professional front to get that repeat mundane tasks out of the way so they can do these higher level uh, creative um, you know aspects of, of uh, creative generation there there's one notion that creativity can be broken out into three aspects that of bending breaking, and blending and I think this gets to your question on um, what aspects of some of those artists, what they were using. And, you know, I think um, artists kind of weave in and out of those three elements uh, on a very fluid level uh, from a bending aspect. They take something that kind of exists and slightly bend it to create something new or unexpected from a breaking standpoint. You know, <laughs> it, it's taking something that um, hadn't existed before and just kind of broke it and recompiled some some parts from different things and then the blending which i think uh there's a big uh natural focus is to blend these uh different worlds into something something new
1: you know it's really funny did you did you used to watch seinfeld back in the day of course of course and (laughs) and you know the um the cliche about it the the joke supposedly is it's a show about what about nothing <laughs> that's, that's what they say but what's really interesting is it was pitched uh, as a show about where comedians get their ideas and yeah. that's why you always have Jerry doing a stand-up routine about whatever the show was about yeah um, and so I guess that question of like you know where do you where do ideas come from um,
2: will they come from computers do you think Uh you know, there's maybe a couple aspects uh, to that question. Um, right now, I think the 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 creative output, and I make that distinction output rather than uh, creative systems, the creative output is being generated, you know, uh, greatly. A lot of recent excitement around the CANs and the GANs. Those creative outputs are coming from derivative um, there's a derivative aspect to it. So they're sourcing, you know, in a lot of uh, experiments or examples, it's sourcing, referencing um, masterpieces. And I think that's um, greatly due uh, to, those are visual mnemonics to signify um, very quickly, like this is a symbol of art. So they're referencing, um, you know, symbolic pieces of art, and then they're having... Almost this um, g- uh, generative aspect or interpretation out of those uh, source sources. So there's a derivative aspect to current day um, systems. There's much debate. Will AI truly be able to be uh, creative on its own? And you know, I, depending on the day, I I, I go back and forth. Uh, as of now, you know, I, I, f- I firmly believe creativity is fundamentally a human characteristic. Yes, AI systems can help generate, can help, um, you know, be almost a muse for creatives. But at this point, uh, and for the foreseeable future, um, systems can't have intent to be uh creative, and that's where um, kind of define or draw a distinction between creative output and creative systems
1: it's interesting because uh you you remember when um Lee Sedol was playing Alphago and Alphago beat him four to one. There's a point at which there was this one move in fact it's even called you know just colloquially move whatever 37 I don't actually remember the number um, where the alphago team said they were like whoa where did that come from and they looked in the at a human player according to their database what there's only a one in a thousand chance a human player whatever made that move and that was kind of the first moment that people started talking about alpha creativity that it played the game creatively and what you know you you referred to creativity as a suitcase word and and maybe it's not even a useful concept. Maybe, I had this sneaking suspicion that, that these words that are so hard to pin down, maybe that's because they don't really exist. Maybe there really isn't something called intelligence. that's useful if we can't even like say what it is. Maybe there really isn't something called creativity and and we, we maybe need a different word for it. So hmm. would you even, would, would you go that far? Or I mean, could a, a super inspired move in a game of chess or AlphaGo or something, I mean, or a Go, be creative?
2: You know, back, back to your um, earlier example about perception. What do machines really perceive? I, I would um, almost apply a similar lens to that creative move. I, I would almost um, gravitate towards unexpected or uh, yeah, non-expected. I, I would gravitate towards rather than uh, creative. Fair enough. You know,
1: I guess it's a distinction of are they creative or are they uh, mimicking creativity or exactly. is there a difference between those two things? So your, your book is called Trans- uh, Superhuman Innovations, Transforming Businesses with AI. W- what caused you to write it and how do you transform the, who, you know, how, what's What's the general thesis?
2: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. You know, uh, I came up uh, through the ranks as a creative in the net last uh, number of years. I was on the digital health side. So helping, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies um, not only promote uh, their products, but also um, kind of um, help create some programs for patient centricity and um, patients. So, over the last number of years, uh, worked on maybe three or four um, initiatives that really opened my eyes to the power of artificial intelligence in terms of uh, human health. We worked on some where we were using AI as a voice assistant for patient care, and what we saw there was patients were having um, almost this unguarded um, ability to talk with virtual assistants because they felt they weren't being judged. Another example was uh, we are working on orphan uh, disease states, these uh, diseases that aren't that uh, recognizable in the population or aren't seen that often by physicians. And we had this insight or observation that uh, physicians and, and the patients were Uh, sometimes going undiagnosed for upwards of seven to 10 years with these awful symptoms. And so we we saw this opportunity to leverage AI to help identify um, these disease states. And we we saw some great success there as well. And then we also did an initiative where we were measuring through AI uh, the ability to measure uh, arterial fibrillation via the uh, camera on a smartphone, and then we overlaid AI second, on a second level to try to extract pred- predictions on um, lifestyle, demo, or, or geographic uh, aspects from a broad population standpoint. So that really got me quite excited. And the, the deeper I got into uh, AI, the more I saw the need for this, what I call a middle layer, uh, demystification of AI. I think there's some great, you know, um, thought leaders, books out there that are very philosophical. And I think they gravitate towards what is, you know, uh Human intelligence, what is consciousness? And I think, you know, there's a time and place for that, that very important, but it can get very philosophical. And then there's this uh, other layer that's very technical. And of course, we need to understand the technology. But for for a business application, there's very few, I think, resources that talk about what is AI, what is it not, How can I apply it to to my business? And once I got into the the process of writing the book, I had this almost aha moment where there's this need not only to talk about AI, but actually leverage AI in the content creation process of writing the book. So that's where um, within superhuman innovation, I leveraged uh, an ensemble uh, of different techniques to help uh, co-author or help uh, write the book. And to your point, you know, for lack of better words or descriptions, we apply sometimes human um, words to AI. And I think um, there's, there's kind of a conversation around, can AI be a co-author? But for lack of a better word, uh, it was a, a creative assistant for helping write the book. Uh, Long story short, the premise of the book is to be a rallying cry for businesses, organizations, uh, whether big or small, to see the opportunities in leveraging uh, AI within their organizations. A couple uh, stats that always uh, uh, pop to mind, you know, by 2020 companies, that are using AI will take 1.2 trillion dollars away from uh, companies uh, that don't. Where buy. is that from? Uh, that one is from MIT School of Business, and you know, uh, being a, a creative, you know, uh, always uh, I think much like you know some of these stats, I think we probably have to go in and really delve and dig into how they come to those. Um, Right. I'm not doubting it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds yeah. right. I'm just yeah.
1: curious, like, the methodology, the methodology behind it. But, exactly. but I mean, you know, I, I, think that, I interrupted
2: you. What was your next step? I, I think the, the long story short with all these stats are it's a huge opportunity for businesses to start to implement um, AI within their organization. So within Superhuman, the fundamental premise is AI is not here to replace jobs It's here to up-level us to do higher level critical thinking. It's a true competitive advantage for organizations uh, to leverage uh, going forward.
1: I mean, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I write extensively about it and and so forth. Uh, Why do you think there are like, that's one camp who says, wow, these technologies increase human productivity, and that's always good. More productive humans are good. If you don't think that, then somehow lowering our productivity would be good for us, and that <laughs> seems farcical. Yes. And so you've got these people, and I count myself among them, who say, you know, therefore, these technologies can't really cause unemployment. They just increase people's productivity, and that's where all economic growth comes from. We're not, we are not—we don't live better lives than our great-grandparents because we work harder than they did, far from it, but because an hour of our time is just so much more productive. But then there's a whole school of thought that says, you know, there's a whole other group of people also in the industry who say, you know, don't kid yourself. Um, many of the tasks that make up many of our jobs machines will be able to do and do better than humans and and you know you start with order taker at a fast food place you replace that you know with a with the machine and you just start doing that en mass and eventually there really is a shortage of jobs so knowing both of those positions you know everybody's got an opinion but why do you think people in the industry differ so sharply on this question
2: yeah uh so so my focus uh, background is uh, creativity, content creation for innovation, and ultimately business transformation. Within that industry, if if people agree or can agree or just understand um, the premise that human creativity is profoundly human, let's see how AI can help in that aspect. So what we're seeing you know, very early on is, and we're just scratching the surface with AI in terms of uh, this specific uh, industry, is it's helping automate. So it's getting that repetitive, repeat, mundane tasks out of the way. And I can guarantee pretty solidly that creative professionals who got into the industry and, you know, studied or uh, through, you know, um, formal traditional Uh, Training or just got into it through apprenticeships, Uh, I can guarantee they got into the creative realm because they loved uh, higher level critical thinking. They didn't get into it to do these repetitive uh, tasks. So, I guess the counterpoint to uh, the school of thought that's taking the stance that uh, AI will, through automation, take away. A number of jobs I would reference to you know this example where it's it's taking away um, low-level tasks but it's not taking away uh, jobs in in I think inversely I think it's creating jobs it's creating uh, up level lean in this instance of creativity and innovation
1: yeah I think of it in a similar way I mean to me if you had gone back in time 25 years and told people about the internet and how many people would use it and said, what's that going to do to jobs? It's like, it's easy to see what it's going to destroy yellow pages yeah. and print papers and mail catalogs and uh, stockbrokers and, uh, travel agents, but, but you never could see we, what it would create. I mean, we, we just can't, you know, Uber, Airbnb, exactly, uh, yep. Google, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook, and all the rest and so it's so easy to see one side of the equation but
2: we ha- we lack imagination to see the other side Yeah, com- completely agree and i think that's where um, you know we're seeing over the last 15 20 years we've we've talking a lot about the digital transformation but now we're seeing true business transformation so you know every 10 to 15 years we get this new technology that fundamentally changes things. Maybe 30 years ago, we had the desktop revolution um, that really helped democratize content uh, creation. Fast forward maybe 10 to 15 years, we had the the mobile revolution where now we have the ability to access all of this uh, great content. And Uh, Over the recent years, because of all that digital exhaust, we saw the need and the rise of cloud computing to house all of this data. And so now we're at this almost profoundly ripe uh, position where we have this surplus of data referencing back to you know those examples within the health world but it goes across all industries We have this surplus of data and now the true business unlock or business transformation opportunity is to extract insights uh, for uh, greater experiences and talk a lot about the need from to move into we're really living in this era of the experience economy to create these, one-to-one, very personalized experiences with businesses um, and and consumers, or even humans, uh, for a, a better word. So that is the, the true opportunity um, for businesses, societies, and culture to leverage AI to create these better, more informed, intelligent experiences.
1: So, final question. I assume, just from chatting with you, you're optimistic about the future of our planet because of this technology or am I putting words in your mouth?
2: uh, uh, With those words, please, please do. Yeah. Without, without a doubt, quite excited about the immense opportunities with uh, AI across, of course, all industry sectors, specifically um, to your earlier point, the aspect that AI is going to up-level humanity in the sense that it's going to allow us to do this higher level thinking that's going to usher in this age of innovation, which uh, I think is uh, quite exciting.
1: So, um, Chris Duffy, how do people follow you? How do they keep up with all the stuff you're doing? buy your book, AI, uh, Superhuman Innovation, but what else uh, can they do?
2: Yeah, recently uh, been been go- getting pretty deep into Instagram, so uh, that would be the Preferred channel at the moment, uh, Superhuman Innovation on Instagram. That's All funny. right. Well, I want
1: to thank you for a fun, wide ranging chat for half an hour and uh, hope you'll come back sometime.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: As AI continues to make devices, machines, vehicles, and things more intelligent, Qualcomm is pushing AI processing to the edge, specifically onto the device. With more than a decade of advanced AI research, they're making it possible for AI and machine learning to move from the data center and the cloud to the device. For enhanced privacy and security, increased reliability, more immediate response, and faster speeds. From AI to 5G, it all starts with Qualcomm.